everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hold on. I just got to make sure. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley. Uh, my name is Edson Ochoa, and uh, accompanying me today, as always, is your co-host, uh, Jacob Young. Jacob, how are you? Doing really well. Looking forward to tonight's game. Hopefully, it's a much better showing from this team. Other than that, doing really well. So... You had an, an interesting experience last night. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. What did you do? Really cool. I got to be on, let me see if I can get the exact uh, title of it, because I was on Orange County's show. That's by the Beautiful Game Network. And I mean, that was just in itself because... Those are two great guys that host that show and really friendly. And to learn a bit about Orange County FC and for also it was nice for them to get to know more about. The Toros, right? The Toros and technically the state, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, so... I'm assuming, obviously, don't spoil it all the way, but what kind of topics um, did you all mostly talk about, like, uh, specifically? Mostly, I gave a rundown about what had happened to RGVFC all the way until basically going to face LA Galaxy and Orange County. Mm -hmm. And also just inside about where RTFC is located and there's to look out for and you know basic things that you would do at a podcast yeah uh, so I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad you're able to enjoy it um, I'm for sure it was a pretty neat experience for you um, I'm guessing like I'm guessing it's like the first time you've been um, I guess you can say like a guest at a, at another podcast from a different, a different team, correct? Yeah. I mean, technically it was pretty weird though. One time I was at CenturyLink field and this random dude came up to the section up there and asked who wanted to be in his podcast. It was the Flounders B team. If you've ever heard of that podcast before, yes, yes, I have. Uh, I know they've had, um, they would have uh, uh, Justin and Josh a couple a couple of times um, when when talking about Seattle versus Houston. But yeah, I've heard of them. Uh, they just asked. Basically, it was Steve Kettleson. He just got to ask me why I became a Dynamo supporter and things like that. And mm -hmm. That that was cool, but it yeah, nothing along the lines of what really happened last night yeah and so i i actually did see and i did i did retweet it out guys um it has it was launched today the podcast was launched today by the guys from the uh orange and black soccer cast uh so be sure be sure to check it out give them a give them a listen and uh i haven't i haven't had time to listen to it yet because i left i left my phone at home uh while i was at work and i just got back home i See, I barely, 
uh, heated up some of my mom's rice. But uh, be sure to I'll check it out after after we finish uh, today's episode before the game starts. Um, but having said all this, you know, it's just kind of so, so we can invite you all to see to listen to Jacob uh, represent down in the valley uh, over with uh, Orange County the guys over there in California. Uh, so be sure to give give him a listen on there as well. Um, having said this, I do want to like he mentioned, Orange and Black Soccer Cast are part of the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, they are part. Uh, they are our producers. They are the ones who are uh, responsible, and uh, that our podcast uh, makes it to Google Play Store, iTunes, Stitcher, and so be sure to give them a follow uh, on Twitter and Facebook at the BGNFM. Uh, be sure to also check out their website uh, at www.bgn.fm, and uh, be sure to also check out our website. Um, on Monday, I uploaded an article uh, talking about the the match from that happened last Saturday between the Toros and uh, Orange, uh, not Orange County, Oklahoma City Energy. And so be sure to give that give that a read. I also uploaded a bunch of pictures that Cesar took at the match. Really good. Uh, he is a, he is a really good photographer. Actually, he can pretty much pan it out with the best of the best that, uh, down there in the Rio Grande Valley. So be sure to check out the gallery uh, as well. Also check out our SoundCloud. Obviously, subscribe to YouTube, uh, as well as not only here, but also with uh, Down in the Valley Gaming. Uh, we got some planned stuff, uh, uh, videos to upload. And as well, be sure to check out uh, the sponsor for the Beautiful Game Network, which is Roughneck Scarves. They're the, officially sc- they're the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and NCAA. And... Uh, I guess that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it for the, for the highs. Just pretty much thank you guys for everybody who has subscribed. We are, I believe we are like six away from 100 subscribers, which means we, once we get 100, we get our own custom URL. And um, also, if you guys want to donate anything, we do have the, the tips link uh, in the description. Uh, if you guys want to donate to us a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, whatever you want, we'd greatly appreciate it. But to be fair, um, we 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 just appreciate uh, just your likes, your shares, and your subscriptions. So, having said all of this, let's go ahead and start with uh, today's episode of Down in the Valley. So, this Saturday, um, the Toros. Look to continue on with with their, I guess you can say their winning streak at home. Um, they had, if I'm not mistaken, like it was like three games unbeaten. I believe it was two uh, two wins and a draw. And they were looking to continue with with their run of form uh, against Oklahoma City Energy uh, in order to continue to fight for that playoff spot. And lo and behold. It, the game went completely opposite of what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, the game went out of our hands as fast as you could really say it. We got down one goal in the first half, and I believe one of the first times that we had been down two goals at home in the first half. So it was really upsetting to see that team come out and just not show up. I think I think what was more uh, more upsetting uh, was the fact that the Toros just continued. They had 
possession of the ball. Uh, in the first half, they were like, it was like 57, 58% possession. But when it came to shots on goal, that statistic was completely yin and yang, completely dark and light. You know, we only had one shot on goal in the first half on Oklahoma City Energy, and that was the goal by Matias Saldivar. You know, how... It's just really... It just really uh, disappoints me. Uh, the fact that... And we may, I made the question to Coach uh, about this, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on. But one of the questions I asked him was, well, you know, we are... It looked like the Toros were getting better when it came to shots on target. Um, their their percentage was increasing. Then all of a sudden, it just it just completely fell flat on the floor, and that's exactly what happened, you know, in, in this match. You know, we had the possession. We we either did not know what to do with the ball, and uh, you know, bad crossing like always, or shots that were completely completely off target. And you know, what? Why is it taking them forever? to understand what they need to do. It doesn't help that, of course, we have different lineups now, especially. That that doesn't help because we used to have this exact same lineup almost week in and week out. And, of course, Jerson, once that didn't work, tried to change it up a bit, and it started to work out well. But the the, the problem still stood that we could not get shots on goal. And from what I saw on Saturday, we weren't taking enough shots. Because if you take shots, they're in the net. But, of course, if you take wild shots, they won't. So, it... But then our players basically have known that they need to change it, and they tried to, and it didn't work, and so now they're just not... I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. So you look at the stacks. Oh, by the, by the way, um, Victor, yes, uh, the phone line is open. Uh, it is uh, 956-622-5977. So if you want to give us a call, you can go ahead and do that, uh, Victor. Uh, you're more than welcome to. Um, he did have a question that we'll bring it up uh, in a little bit right after I get, uh, we can finish talking about this this whole ordeal. Um so you look at the stats, you know, the final stats uh, of, of this match. And you see the Toros had 10 shots. 10 shots, not on goal, but just re- regular shots. Only two of them were on target, right? Now you look around and look at Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City has 10 shots. Nine of them were on target, they both had the same number of shots throughout the whole 90-plus minutes. But lo and behold, Oklahoma City Energy was just the most efficient out of the two teams. And it's completely ridiculous that so far in the season, Oklahoma City woke up from the little slumber. Because remember, in the beginning of the season, they were there in the last three positions of the Western Conference. And now... They seem to have waken up. They've gotten in their stride. And then the Toros, uh, it's like that, like that horse race from the Simpsons where it was like, it's the one that you didn't, you didn't, you weren't expecting anything is not doing anything kind of thing. 
And it, it, it just, it, I don't know. It's, as, a, as a Toros fan, it's, it just completely saddens me that it, the, the offense just hasn't really gotten the memo. Yeah. When you put it that way, it makes sense. But at the same time, remember what has really happened for the last two games. There's been no Bryce Marion, no Aldo Quintanilla. Where are both of them? Well, I got to see Bryce Marion at the home game this past Saturday. Mm -hmm. So we know that Bryce Marion is still alive and actually with the team. The question is, where is Aldo Quintanilla? All from at least his Instagram that he is actually in. Hey, so that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But will he even be playing or will he even get to put on a jersey? We don't know. And so that's a problem. Jerson has had to mess with those striker positions. Bryce Marion plus Aldo and plus Carlos, Carlos Small, Small. But we haven't really seen Carlos Small do well. Um, here's the thing, though. And Coach Chivari brought up the really good point uh, at the press conference. And that is, you have the game on the game on Saturday, right? That's one. You got the game on win the, the game today. That's two. The game next Saturday. That's three. And then the game against San Antonio next Wednesday. That's four. You're talking about four games in ten days, ten eleven days. That is a lot for a team, much like. Even for a first division team, that's a lot to ask for. It's worse for a second division team. I mean, how many times have we talked about the fact that the Dynamo have had to rotate because of injuries, but they've had to find some way to rotate their players because of this really, really uh, tight schedule that the MLS uh, placed on them. It's complete. It's almost the same thing with the Toros right now in this week. You have four games in 10, 11 days. You have to rotate some players. Now, one would assume you put your best players when you play at home. But maybe Jerson Echeverry, since they, you know, since Alu Quintani has been, has been playing, you know, he wanted, he wanted to get him rested up. Carlos is, give Carlos Small the, the, the ability to continue to get minutes in order to work on his fitness level and continue to improve it. Remember, Carlos Small was coming off of preseason with Arabe Unido. So, he, so he's getting into rhythm w- w- with the Toros. He is not at the same fitness level, you know, in the same rhythm compared to the rest of the team where we are a third of the way into the season. Yeah, do, do, do you get what I'm trying to say here? You know, it's it's pretty much basically, and what's the word I'm looking for? It's like you don't want to, but you have to do it, you know. And that's what Coach Hatcher knows has to do. He has to rotate the roster, even if some of these uh, players in in the in the roster def have done absolutely nothing or have done very little compared to others. He's going to have to play them because like, I, like he said, and he said it himself, he said, it doesn't matter how talented you are with the ball, 
But if you're tired, if you can't at least uh, be competitive physically, then it does you no good. So they're looking for at least, yeah, with, they are probably going to be using some second stringers today against uh, LA Galaxy 2. But at least hopefully they can, they can compete with, uh, fitness, with the fitness level, with, with the strength, you know. Because if they're going to be if they're going to be tired, you know, you're not going to have enough strength to do all that you know. I I I see that obviously, but the only problem is RGVFC has been put in a tough situation. It didn't help that we just didn't get results at the start of the season. If we get results at the start of the season, we're looking at this as oh, it's no big deal that we're kind of losing points when we need to gain points mm-hmm. because we'd basically already be in a playoff spot. Yeah. Play too well at the start of the season. This is why. This is why we need our starters at home. No matter if they're tired or not, give them 60 minutes. I mean, look at A.G. Dela Garza, for example. A.G. Dela Garza was down here. He played for 68 minutes. Yes, he did say that. He, was, he didn't play his best soccer, still in preseason mode, and looked better than a couple of players on that pitch. Definitely. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, who, who, who am I speaking with? Welcome to Down in the Valley. Hello? Yeah, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's, go- what's going on? Hey, no, I, I like uh, your show. I was just calling in because uh, I heard you guys talking about the style of play of, uh, of RGV, and I wanted to ask you guys, you guys actually watch these games. Because um, if you ask the team, of course, they, they'll tell you that they want to win every game. You know, they're trying to make the playoffs, et cetera, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But from what you guys have seen, you know, is this a team that's actually – you know, built to compete. Well, you obviously built to compete. But like, built to, you know, be a threat in the USL and actually challenge for a title there? Or or is it more of a, maybe what it's supposed to be, a developmental team? Like, you kind of see it that way? Because if it's more developmental, I, I don't know if maybe you guys are looking too much into the way certain players are performing when maybe their objective is simply you know, get minutes and, and, and develop their skills. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, 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 I get, I get uh, what, what you're trying to say. Um, I, I think that changes everything as far as, like, the way you guys are trying to kind of assess mm-hmm. how the team is performing. So, I mean, I don't... And again, it's... Go ahead. So you asked, so you asked on, on YouTube, you said what were... But I'll actually go. go get, well, I'll answer your this question first. Um, what I've seen from this team is you have players, you have young uh, young talent, uh, especially the ones that that used to be you know uh, consistent for uh, starters: Chuy Enriquez, Aldo Quintanilla, Todd Warden, Nicolas Perea, Nico Cordy. Uh, Kyle Adams and Connor Donovan, and even Manny Padilla. Most of the, the, the players that in the beginning of the season were consistent uh, starters 
and let's not let's not forget Kai Green. That even though he didn't start in the beginning of the season, we've known from the past three years that he is a decent uh, defender in the USL. But the problem is, and AJ De La Garza mentioned it uh, two two weeks ago, and that is that while they are they have some talent, they just aren't consistent enough, and so. You see, like, a couple of players, like, they play really well, especially up in the attack. I mean, you saw Alu Quintanilla was on a, on a scoring streak in the beginning of the season, and then he just got stuck in four goals. Obviously, they had to rotate with Guillermo Delgado or um, Jordan Jones or whenever they, they, or the two times that Max Steves was brought in. But other than Alu Quintanilla and now Carlos Small, are deft players in the attack just have not brought results. I'm talking about John Montaño. I'm talking about Zach Wright. Talking about Guillermo Delgado as well. And uh, I think the only one that's pretty much that pretty much has shown uh, some sort of uh, uh, push in this team, uh, where where he where he comes in and brings some change on the attack is Bryce Marion. But those other players that I talked about have been never really shown much in in the game, whether they started or whether they came in as a substitute. Jacob, do you think do you think that talent on this team like I've only been able to hear so much? Hold on, Jacob. Say again, Victor. No, no, go. Jacob. Okay, so yeah, you This situation's weird, but from what I've heard from Victor, let me ask you this. Victor, or not Victor, but if it is in the loop for a playoff, isn't doesn't that reflect better on A, the players and B, the coaches that guess what Houston Dynamo actually need? The whole reason why this team has been what it is, like, we've gotten the players from, guess what? It's Matt Jordan that has been scouting. That's the whole reason why we got Carlos Small. We want those players to do well, and we want results. That's why Matt Jordan was down well, because we weren't getting those types of results. So as as long as, of course, we are able to down here and develop those players at the same time we can send them up to Houston and they can get have come from down in the RGV so it actually yes if they're not performing well down here and not getting the results and not having a chance for the playoffs do you think that the players are really developing that well I think not Uh, yeah, the other the other point I'm trying to make is, for example, if, like I think I think as was mentioning about the roster being rotated, right? Mm-hmm. So could it just be that the roster is being rotated throughout the year because, uh, again, instead of really fighting, and again, of course they're going to tell you they're fighting for a playoff spot and they want to be there and all that, but like more so than fighting for a playoff spot, you, you know, you think maybe games are treated more friendly if that kind of makes sense, you know, where where the results don't really matter to the 
intercept. Again, I don't know how the team operates down there. I haven't seen the play, but do you think that could be part of the case? If that is the case, then then front RGB front office and Houston Dynamo, who cover the, who deal with the technical the technical aspects of this team, are in a hundred percent completely different views of how they view how they play in the USL. Because I know for sure that front office, their main focus is to try to win the championship in the USL. And if what you're telling if what you're telling me about that the Houston Dynamo sees as more developmental and it's been mentioned many times as well by Sean and by you as well. So the, what I'm trying to get here is that this whole relationship kind of started in a wrong foot because you have two your two uh, members of this relationship viewing things differently rather than both going it's kind of like when you're playing a three-legged race and you got both like you got right. one of them going one way one of them going the other they're gonna fall right and maybe the best way that i can that i can make a comparison right like Barcelona doesn't have Barcelona B so they can win the second division. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They have them there so they can prepare players for for the first team. And that's why I ask if maybe that's why the results aren't there with RGV. Maybe the, the purpose of the team, and again, you guys can tell more from the way they've played and the way they've organized, is just different. And they're not built to win a USL, uh, a USL championship. And, I mean... That's why I asked you guys. You guys are the ones that watch the team week in and okay. week out. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna speak now, but look at look at it also this way. Portland Timbers two in this league, LA Galaxy two in this league, and Seattle two. You can go up and say TFC two. That's a to- for TFC. That's a totally different thing. When we're talking about Portland Timbers, they right. had their, a terrible, terrible start to their season. And now look at them. They're up in, if I'm not mistaken, fourth or fifth place in the USL. Let's not forget Real Monarchs. So, those are t- players that are most likely going up to the main league, MLS, mm-hmm. with their teams. So it's the same deal. No matter what, if you got players that, yes, are on the bench for a while, hey, because will most likely be their year. It's just a train. It reminds me so much of recruiting in college football. Deal. You get those players that have a chance at the pros. You don't want just like one team having one of their worst years, but this one player having one of their best years and gets sent, sent up to the NFL draft team showing that they're worth something. So that that's the whole point there. And kind of adding in, because I did mention Real Monarchs, and um, when Real Monarchs hosted the Toros, the commentators made this um, comment saying that the front office for Real Monarchs, which we know is pretty much Real Salt Lake's two team, they put as much over there, I think. They put as much emphasis in development for Real Salt Lake as there it is to winning championships. 
Last season, they uh, want they want the, the uh, I guess you can you can say the uh, the shield. They did they weren't able to make it uh, deep into the playoffs, but they sure as hell tried. In the end, and right. guess what? And then the year before, in 2016, the winner of the USL Cup was the Baby Bulls, New York Red Bulls too. So just yeah, because you're a YouTube, just because you're, I mean, there's that example. So, There's that example, and obviously the Red Bulls are one of the teams in MLS that have the best young talent. So I guess that maybe leads me to this question. Do you think the talent's not good enough? I would say I would say one of the, one of the, the biggest hind races is, uh, is number one is I feel like the Dynamo Academy has kind of been lackluster in the way they try to view talent. Uh, and until now that they find they saw that the Dynamo has realized, you know, they need to make changes to the academy to try to get uh, some better players and a more consistent pipeline uh, through through the academy. And, and so I think the fact is with with the Toros right now, they've pretty much mostly been uh, kind of trial and error with getting these players, you know, from uh, from uh, the draft uh, or getting getting players from. I guess, like from outside outside of the country, uh, even. I mean, you have. Yeah, you, you, your co-host mentioned recruiting. Is that a problem down there with RGB, with whether it be the location of the team or just getting players to, to go there? Uh, I think I think more than anything, because the way it is being done, pretty much, and Chuy Enriquez mentioned it to me when he was approached uh, by his agent that he was because uh, he was with Cholos, right, at Tijuana. And so his yeah. agent approached him, and he mentioned that the Dynamo was the one that was still interested in him. It was not until he signed, and, and not until you know he was given, all, he completely signed the contract that they told him, "Yeah, well, you're going to be our, our affiliate." Yeah. Do you think there's a bit of misleading there as well? Because see, when for example, I think Carlos Mal was one of them, and I I don't remember the other player, but there's several players like that that they've been reported from their home countries to be going to the dynamo and then it turns out they actually go to the toros and and then it'll show right when you ask Wilmer cabrera about a certain player that's rumored with the team and then it'll be like i've never even heard of that guy and then it turns out it goes down there so you think there's a lot of misleading as when it comes to recruiting players um i wouldn't i wouldn't say uh m- misleading uh more than anything because remember that the Dynamo is the one that, that does that does this. So you're going. The Dynamo is the one that does these does these contracts. So it's in the using the name of the Houston Dynamo. Um, I would assume Chuy didn't really t- tell me much uh, more, but I would assume that the, the that the agent, where it's the agent's job to let the person or the player know, hey, you know what? Well, the Dynamo's looking for you, but you're going to be going with their affiliate. But you have an opportunity. If you do well with the affiliate, to move up to the first team, and that's what was reported uh, in Panama for Carlos Small. They said he's going to uh, the Houston Dynamo's affiliate as for a loan. However, right. he has the opportunity I mean, if he does well in this season to move up to the first team. All right. So back to my to, to my other question. I guess I'll leave you guys with this. Um, is there talent on this team? Like, is there guys that you can kind of pick and say, well, this guy can can play, you know, in the best team in the USL, whoever that may be? I mean, are there guys on this team that can do that? Or, um, 
or is it maybe just okay talent for, for the USL? Wow. That's a really, really good question. Um, I th- would say that there's the talent that kind of exceeds pretty much the median of this team, like Chewing, like Nico, like Kyle Adams, like Todd Warden and, and, and Nicolas Perea. But not counting Todd, which uh, has been looked at by the Dynamo, I wouldn't say that our outstanding talent would necessarily be a talent that you may be able to find in the top USL teams. So, so what do you think the expectations are for, for I 100% agree with that as well. Because it's to get like that. Of course, of how we started it with Remember the first year was totally different because we got a lot of uh, the, I don't know how to call it, but I guess players, basically. Mm-hmm. The next year, it just, we were trying to get a lot of players better. Of course, that means Kevin Garcia leaves and a couple of these players that we knew really well leave. So it was a totally different, same with this year. Of course, a lot of players actually leaving uh, this year. What I mean by that is, of course, and all these players that basically were, in a way, let go, uh, this whole situation. They're still really young. I think they've got a lot, a long ways to go still. No means. Uh, a really really push in a playoff position the cup and so if you think of it this way yet like the good enough talent yet to say this is an insanely good young squad yeah so what can they do in USL just as far as what's left this season I'm sure they're probably trying to take whatever shot they can do at the playoffs, but do they actually have a chance of getting in, and how does that look? They would have to win as many points as possible, and they would still need to uh, um, have to uh, rely on that the all of the other teams that are above them, all seven teams that are above them, uh, to falter and have a, a really a long... Um, I guess you can say rut uh, for from here on to the end of, so of the season. So they're the dynamo of the they're the of the USL then, I guess. Pretty much. Um, so oh, I think the only thing right. the only thing that can be done this season is pretty much like last season, just play spoiler and use the rest of the games pretty much as a tryout to who wants to stay for next season and who has to go. All right, well, great show, guys. I guess. Maybe another question that you know how to tackle it now, but, um, you know, because I've made the point that the best thing for the Dynamo is probably to have their B team up here in Houston. Um, I know there's various 
viewpoints on that. But what do you guys think for RGV? Do you guys like this partnership, or do you uh, do you think, yeah, maybe that would be beneficial at this point for them to like have their own team here, and then you know RGV be its own thing. And I mean that affiliation can still kind of be there, but not the direct affiliation of being the uh, the second team because of again maybe the extra baggage that it brings. Um, I would okay. So personally, I think while results barring the first season have not been that great, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's one thing that I realized. You know, the fact that in last season they had to get a lot of these uh, RGV players up to the Dynamo because of the lack of depth uh, in the first team, you know, to try to uh, play an Open Cup, play, you know, in, in here in, 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 the, in the MLS, you know, they had to get a lot, of, a lot of players and we lost most, if not all of our, our main uh, spinal column of this team. We lost Charlie, we lost Kevin, we lost Eric, we lost... Um, uh, Callum Irving left. We, uh, well, it's George Malky, uh, Kevin. Um, who else was on that side? You know, the list. The list goes on. Yeah. You know, so we now this season we did as you as you probably noticed, not a lot of RGV uh, players have have been signed, if any at all. I mean, just pretty much the the temporary contract for uh, Open Cup. But for the most part, they have uh, pretty much maintained uh, the uh, the the roster in the uh, in the USL as is, with the addition of Carlos Small. So there's improvement there, but there still needs to be improvement. Kind of pruning out the the weeds, pruning out the branches. Right? Who's playing well? Who who do the Dynamos see? Have the potential? Have the mentality? Uh, to be a potential uh, f- Dynamo first-team player, you know, rather than, oh, it's, or somebody that's just here for the ride kind of thing. So it might take two, three years, but I think if uh, the Dynamo keep this relationship with RGV, we might see the fruits uh, of it later on. I don't think that RGV will be able to uh, run, be ran on its own because there's, we've mentioned it before, there's not a lot of capital in this team because it's only Alonso Cantu. He's the only investor, main investor in this team. So he would have to get a lot of investments, a lot of sponsorships uh, to try to, to maintain this, uh, you know, the finances of this team, you know, now having to add getting coaches, getting players, paying their salaries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, on the Houston side, I feel that, yes, it might be more beneficial to have their own two-team because now you're just rolling pretty much the front office would kind of work on, okay, well, it's obviously the same goal. Here's the thing. I mean, other than than being a place where some guys can get minutes, like Manotas went there, Mm. uh, you know, like rehabbing De La Garza, you know, minutes for for Tyler Derrick, even though he played the one game. I mean, other than that, I don't think they've, gotten the, the the advantage that they wanted to get out of it. And, and clearly they don't think the talent is there because, you know, they go on and make signings like Lundqvist and Fuen Mayor and, and, uh, and Ronaldo Peña. Um, and I think that, in my opinion, I think that's the way it's going to keep going. I don't know if there's 
people there, and they've moved out people from RGV, right? I mean, Eric yes. Bird, uh, Kevin Garcia, and Memo. Um, yeah, talk, well, who was the other one? Uh, the defender Connor Donovan as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, for the most part, and, and, now I remember. I when I say this, but I mean, the MLS, the MLS level is kind of been a little too much for these guys because they're they're still, you know, they're still they're back down there. Some of them. Now you got to remember. That who's the one that does these signings? Who are the ones that does the scouting? The Dynamo. Yeah. So it's not really the fault of RGV that these pl- that these players have not proven themselves to be MLS caliber yet or ready in their first year here. I mean, if they wanted uh, instant success with uh, with RGV to make them get ready for MLS, you either needed to get players that are insanely good. That, that are above USL level, but just below MLS, if you wanted that. So if you're, if the way you're seeing, I maybe there's some people in, in the Dynamo C like that complain that, whoa, how come we haven't gotten any talents that have that have been consistently first team players? Number one, because right now, because right now, like you said, you got Lunkevis, you got, you, you made all, all these signs, Rolando Peña. And number two, the fact is, I mean, the fact is that, Kinetic, the organization is kind of uh, the way that they spend isn't you know isn't to splurge. Obviously, they're gonna be their main focus is gonna be with the Dynamo, and then they'll think, okay, so we have this much of a budget left. Let's see what we can bring. And you can't really expect to bring good in. Good luck, these... buddy. Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah, and you can't really expect to bring in the the next um, Didier Drogba or, or or the next. Uh, uh, who was the guy that was with Reno, Jacob? Uh, Dan Kelly to the Toros. It's just not going to happen because no, they're going to... But look, but look that's, that, that's what we're talking about here, right? I mean, you just said Salt Lake has found a way to make it work. Seattle and Portland and L.A. and uh, New York Red Bulls. I mean, there, there's teams that's out there that are trying to, that have found ways to make it work. Mm-hmm. So what, what's different with RGB then? What, what's the excuse there? But You might want to ask I'm the Dynamo. You guys, I'll listen to the... Yeah, yeah. well... If they'll answer the question, buddy, I try. <laughs> nah, we get it, man. Um, listen, man. Um, I want to let you go. Uh, love the show, guys. I'll uh, I definitely like tune in every now and then, try to see what's up, and I'll I'll see if I can catch some of these games. I know they're they're all on the West Coast for two, so um, keep uh, keep attacking this thing. Not a problem. Thank you so much for calling, Victor, and and uh, for offering these new uh, points of view uh, on the Toros from the from the Dynamo's perspective. Well, thank you, Ethan. I'll talk to you later. All right. Have a good night, man. Well, that was an that was an interesting conversation, um, Jacob. What what are your thoughts um, on 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 this whole thing, especially with the, that final thought by Victor? Oh yeah, those final thoughts. Yeah, I do have. Just get ready for a rant here, mm-hmm. because let me tell you something. Portland Timbers were one of the first MLS clubs to, to be an MLS club. They were able to create their combined team a long time ago before Houston. A long time ago. Remember, this is only RGBFC's third year. Technically, their second year that they've really worked on getting players to RGBFC to try and make it big. New York Red Bulls, it's the same exact thing and all these other ones. It's just a totally different situation down in RGV and Houston. 
once again on the Dynamo organization as well for getting the players. At Jordan, technically, uh, I mean, he was down here to scout. Exactly what happened. And so it, it goes back to that whole thing that it takes time, no matter what. And money. Let's not forget can... money. Exactly. Guess what? Houston doesn't have a ton of money. We're not freaking LAFC, and we're not Atlanta United either. We're a freaking cheap club. Here, here, here's the thing, and, and this is what irks me about people that say or that want to put the blame on the location of their the affiliate being an RGVFC compared to being uh, here in Houston or in Sugarland, whatever. But the biggest c- complaint that I've kind of seen is that, and Victor put it out, that oh, well, we haven't seen we haven't gotten any players that have come up from RGV, not including Mames. Not including Kevin Garcia, and even Kevin Garcia is kind of a big if, as you probably saw from yesterday. Uh, but other than other than that, it's it's pretty much been like Charlie Ward been brought brought up, Malky being brought up, Eric Bird uh, still hasn't seen really consistent minutes with the with uh, with the Dynamo, uh, Charlie Ward being released and gone to San Antonio, uh, George Malky being released as well. He I believe he's a free agent, but that is has to do a lot with injuries. Um, Taylor Hunter uh, is now with uh, Colorado uh, Spring Switchbacks. I'm trying to remember uh, uh, other teams, Escalante, you know, with San Antonio as well. Kyle Murphy, you know, the list goes on. But who brought the players? Who brought those players? Who was the one that said, "Oh, these guys may have potential for MLS"? The Dynamo. It was an RGV. So don't blame RGV for the faults of, 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 the scout, uh, of the scouting for the needs of the Dynamo. These players were good for USL and would have been very beneficial for the Toros had they stayed. But they decided to rush things in their development. And, and after just one year, oh, here, come, come. Oh, this is, I'm putting this in my basket. This is all going in my basket. And, uh, oh, you guys were left with nothing? Oh, looks like we're going to have to start from scratch again. Then what happened? Oh, this isn't working. Bloop. No, he's not working either. Bloop. Throw him to San Antonio. So, it's not RGB's fault. It's the way that the, that the developmental process, the pipeline has been uh, working uh, by the Houston Dynamo. That's the problem. I'm pretty sure the same thing would happen if... The Houston affiliate was here in the Sugarland area. It'd be the same thing because who's who's the one doing it? The Dynamo. The Dynamo are the one that handles the getting the players, getting the technical staff, blah 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 blah. Now, add to the fact that they would have to pretty much be in charge of front office stuff as well, and they're already being spread thin because they have the Houston Dynamo. The Houston Dash, and now you want to add their affiliate as well? You're pretty much spreading yourself too thin. So, on both sides, there are some pluses to this relationship. But, there are some major kinks that still need to be worked on on both sides in order for this to run as smoothly 
as Real Monarchs or smoothly as the Baby Bulls. Now, and they need to see that. May, and really, if we talk about the money. Do we re- if the Dynamo don't spend a lot with the first team, what makes us think that they're going to be spending a lot for the second team? So, this is going. This is going to be. I mean, the players are decent. They probably. They, Matt Jordan probably worked some of Miss Magic as well to get these team or these players, but you know. They need to continue their developmental process at RGV in the long run, and instead of just grabbing them and then releasing them because they didn't work as they expect. What did you expect? I mean, these are guys. Charlie Ward. Uh, these were guys that were coming in from the, the from the lower the lower leagues as well. You know, they did not have any experience with the first team. So, what happened with Charlie? The problem was was that they kind they rushed it and did not they didn't let him move down to RGV to at least continue his developmental process there. Why? Because the 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 the, the depth of the roster last year just wasn't that great. They couldn't afford to, to, to losing him. I mean, they lost Memo already. They had lost Memo last year because he, he was sent down to San Antonio to, uh, for, to play in the Derby. I believe it was the second, uh, the second match of the, of the South Texas Derby. And he got injured, and he was gone for a while. So they didn't want to take the, that risk. So... Echoey. It all and remember, we all get mad at each other. Houston Dynamo and RGVFC should not technically be divided. Let's remember this. We can't just all argue at each other because we're still technically a team. We're united, so it doesn't help when you blame us and we blame them because we've had the same experience as as I have now, especially hearing um, Sean on the show what it is with the uh, Dynamo side of things. Mm -hmm. So we all know that the problems on both sides, it's how can we get through it together? Exactly. And yes, we talk about like, well, well, these players aren't working, you know, but you need to, we also need to remember that it's the Dynamo and we have, that they're only working with what they have and it's going to be pretty much trial and error with, like it is in most scouting cases. Um, uh, I mean, you can't really expect them to, to have multiple scouts and have with a decent experience, uh, with a decent uh, judgment, you know, when you're kind of working stuff on, on the cheap, if you want to call it that way. So, the only thing that we can expect and the only thing that we can see some improvement uh, in this roster, which we did said has some talent, there are a lot of players that, like it's in Spanish, salen sobrando, that just aren't good enough to be in this roster. And this end of the season, this is, gonna, this is going to work for Gerson and for the technical staff and the Dynamo to see who deserves to stay, who deserves to go. And when we come back from break, we will talk about some rumors that have uh, surfaced in, in the last couple of days in regards to that. So don't go away just yet. We will be right back. Mm-hmm. 
All right, guys. Welcome back to the second half of uh, Down in the Valley. Uh, my name is uh, Edson Ochoa. If you guys probably don't remember, you know. And joining us, uh, continuing to join us right now is uh, uh, my co-host and good friend, uh, Jacob Young. So in the first hour, we got into a really, really interesting discussion with uh, Victor Ariza. Um, talking about, you know, this relationship, I mean, pretty much kind of leading us to uh, the question of, are we overhyping this team's talent? Uh, which was an interesting discussion. Uh, so if you guys missed it, uh, go ahead. Uh, when these, this uh, video is syndicated, the show is syndicated uh, on the podcast form, be sure to check it out there. Are some good topics that, that were brought up. Um, and you guys be the judge. And don't forget um, our social media down in the RGV. Um, you guys want to discuss there? Uh, we're more than welcome to discuss. We also have the, the uh, RGVFC Discord, uh, which I will post uh, the invite link uh, on Twitter uh, after the show ends. So, and before we went on break, uh, we kind of led into some rumors that have surfaced uh, with, in regards with uh, the Toros roster. So, we were talking about that there are players that have shown that they have talent and players that have shown that they really aren't deemed necessary in this team for lack of performance whenever they do get minutes. One of the players that has been rumored uh, that has pretty much... Rumors say that this player was released by RGVFC. There is no confirmation yet. And from what I heard and from how... RGVSC have kind of worked before, because remember there is a, there is yeah uh, what's the word I'm looking for Jacob help me out here uh, that they've done something like this before. Do you guys remember? Um, it's not wasn't Camilo Monroy who was the other one? Pungo Francisco Pungo. Do you guys remember Francisco Pungo? Beginning of the season. One of the five RGV players from last season, from last season's roster to be renewed. All of a sudden, he's out of the roster. Ask me if there was an official um, official announcement, an article, anything, nothing. So, don't be surprised if this rumor is actually true, but you'll never hear anything official from the Taurus. Because they have done that before. And this player that I'm talking about. Like I said, this is still a rumor. Nothing confirmed. Hopefully we can get some sort of confirmation. So take this as a rumor just now. But this is coming from somebody that, that, that is, knows, how, knows stuff that's going on inside. John Montaño. According to the rumors... John Montaño was released from RGVFC uh, in this past week. 
This is a player that Sean and I, we talk about it many times. When we went to San Antonio to see them against, uh, in preseason, this was a player that he was like 15 minutes since the, the beginning of the game, and he was already extremely tired. He was already fatigued. This is a player that really, really was not very, very influential in the match. The home opener, yeah. He got an assist. But that's about it. That was about it for the whole season. So many games where he wasn't, didn't even make it on the bench. And the games he was on the bench and he was brought in, it's almost like he wasn't there. This is a player that when he did get the start, once again, it's almost like he wasn't there. I think he was given decent opportunities to try to show what he's got. He never took advantage of it. Add to this that he does take an international slot. So, why are you going to waste an international slot on a player that really has not added his talents with this team? There are some of the rumors about this that I will not discuss on air because this is, it doesn't pertain to us. But from the performances that we did see on the pitch, which is what we care about, if this rumor is true, then I applaud RGVFC because I think they've made the right decision in order to keep this push for playoffs, and remember what I said in the first, the first hour, prune the weeds, prune the branches, so that way this team continues to grow for 20, the 2019 season. Jacob. Yeah. Uh, ne- he, never once has he impressed me at all on the pitch. You said it exactly right. Those first 15 minutes, he just like he's extremely tired when he gets an opportunity and it really stinks of course there might be something going on behind the curtains same time it's unacceptable no matter what you're part of a team you're part of a club you get paid to play a game of soccer how freaking lucky are you and you're of course not going to take advantage of that not it's not okay so plot once again yeah i applaud rgvfc for if this is true for doing the correct thing because this man to have a chance if he's not going to take advantage of it yeah and i know there are other players below in the academy let's take a look at brandon morales who are eagerly waiting for an opportunity. You have Bryce Marion, who has shown a lot more that he deserves minutes with the first team than John Montaño. So, wish him the best of luck in his future endeavors. 
But he had a solid opportunity with the Toros that he just didn't do, didn't take advantage of, and that's all on that's all that's all on the player. I mean, if you don't want to take advantage of any opportunities to continue to succeed and uh, develop your your career in what is supposed to be the career that you love, because barring Carlos Vela. Who has said that he doesn't like soccer, but because he prefers basketball, but this is he sees this more of a job. Every other soccer player plays soccer because they love the sport. So I don't know if it's because basically just his talent, he has very little talent uh, for competing in the USL. Maybe, and Sean brings that up too. Maybe just the tactics just didn't benefit the play style of John Montaño. That could be a possibility as well. We've seen many times players that ha are talented go to a team that, that plays completely different than you're used to, that takes advantage of your talents, completely disappear. Leave the team, go to another team, and continue to thrive there. Happens many has happened many times with Tigres, so <laughs> I have been you know I know how it feels with with that where they brought a player that they said was good did nothing left and played uh, played really well with that other team why because the tactics are completely different maybe he's more attacking uh, attacking oriented with the ball in, in in his feet or something or. Through balls, you know, the, the Oklahoma City energy way like they played on Saturday. Maybe that's more his play style. And RGVFC just haven't been able to or weren't able to or did not want to play that style because they, that's not the Dynamo way. Don't know. All we know is he didn't bring what was expected of him. And this is a business. Toro said, the Dynamo said, why am I going to continue to pay your salary if you, if what you're bringing doesn't benefit me as far as the Dynamo is concerned? Which is the exact same reason why the Dynamo did not want to bring Aldo de Nigris last year to the Toros. Because the Dynamo said, why am I going to bring, why am I going to pay The, or the salary of a player that is not going to be useful for the first team. Think of it like that. The players need to think of it like that. If you're going to be with the Toros, it's because you're going to have the mentality that you want to succeed with the Toros. You want to do the best you can with the Toros in order to get the attention from the Dynamo. So this whole talking, going back with what we were talking about in the first in the first half of the of the of the show, you cannot settle for mediocrity, even in this whole thing of developmental process, yada yada yada. You want to call it? You cannot settle with mediocrity and put out a mediocre performance throughout the whole season and still expect to be caught by the dynamo. It doesn't work like that. You have to put in your 100% every time as humanely as possible to prove that 
you're good enough for the MLS. Because the way I see it, if you're not good enough to be competitive in the USL, what makes you think that you're going to be competitive to at least fight for a spot in the MLS? And I hope that argument that, oh, it's a developmental team, so the, those bad results are expected. I hope that argument is dead and buried with that. And I'm being really serious right now. I 100% agree. I mean, you said it perfectly. I don't really know what else I can add with that argument because it's just here as a development mental player to get better. Try your hardest. And if you can't do that, bad on you. That shows that you won't care if you have to go to an MLS club. That won't, you won't care if you have to go to, let's, let's even say, of course, I hate to bring this team up, but Arsenal, for example, uh, they have, let's say that 18 year old or 19 year old or whoever mm-hmm. decides it's the developmental league. I can take it lightly because we all know I'm good enough to be in the premier league right now plays one game in the Premier League. That's exactly what's going to happen if you don't take advantage of your time right now. You're just not going to be a good soccer player and probably have to quit early. Adding on to that argument, two things. Number one, soccer, it's not all about talent. It's not all about athletic ability. It's a lot more mentality. You gotta have you gotta have your brain in the right place. You gotta have that push, that motivation, that drive to be successful. You may not be as talented, but sometimes with this pure mentality of pushing yourself to get better, to get better every day, that'll lead you farther than somebody who has a lot of talent but is lazy. Best example I can give, Jonathan Espericueta of Tigres. When Mexico won the under-17 championship with Espericueta, with uh, El, El Güero Fierro, and all these other teams, and all these other players, Espericueta was lauded as the next the Messi of Mexico, maybe not as much, but, you know, you get the point. He was going to be the next best thing for Mexico. He's, he was with Tigres for a long time. Like this was a team, this was a player that came out of the, the academy system of Tigres. And everybody's like, oh, well, he won the championship. He, he deserves to be in the first team automatically. Tuca's like, no. He needs to continue to develop. I need to see him more. And everybody, including me, was like, whoa, but why? Isn't it, wasn't that good enough that you know, he's one of the best in his, in his, in his age group? And that, rah, 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 rah. No, he needs to continue his development. 
He was loaned to second division. He was loaned, uh, you know, nothing. He preferred to drink, preferred to party, preferred to get in trouble. What happened with that talent? Right now, he's playing. He was last year. He was with Atletico de San Luis in the second division. He didn't do much, but Puebla got him. Okay, first division. Even then, hasn't really shown much to deserve to be in in the play, in the fir, in the first team or in yeah to get a starting position in that team, which Puebla is one of the teams that is always in the lower in the lower part of the, of the table. What makes you think, with that mentality of his, even with all the talent that people said he had, what makes you think that he deserved to, if he can't get a starting position with a, with a bottom-of-the-table team, what makes you think he can get a starting position in a team that's always fighting for championships, which is Tigres? And it's a similar thing right here. If you don't have the mentality, if you don't have that force to drive yourself to continue to do better, you may not be as talented, but you're at least going to push and give 100%. Because that's going to carry you far even in MLS. Because you're not, maybe you don't have the, as much talent as these guys that have been in for years in the MLS. But you know, hey, you know what? You have, you have the four, the drive, you have the hunger, and you have the humility, the humble, the, the humility, la humildad. To know that I'm not the best out there, but I'm sure as hell going to continue to learn from the best and continue to develop there and push myself so that I can get that starting spot. But if at the first time like you're, you're playing, you lose your starting position, and you're like, ah, screw it. Well, I guess I lost my position. And that's, that's not useful for any team. That is not the mentality that a soccer player needs to have. You need to be more like a Chuy Enriquez. When he lost his starting position, he didn't just quit and give up. He continues to press harder and harder and harder each day, each week, week in and week out in practice. It lit a fire, this is his words, lit a fire under him to continue to push himself to prove Coach Echeverry wrong. We need more players like that and less players like John Montaño. Yeah, and luckily for at least RGSC at the moment, we have two of those players. Chuy Enriquez. It did lit a little fire in him. And we got to speak to Bryce Murray on that same time when they both got benched. And he said almost the exact same thing, of course, in a Marion way, which was, of course, a lot calmer and nicer. But his mentality was still the same. It's like, yeah, I'm going to push every day and practice no matter what because I want that starting spot back. Yeah, yeah exactly. A good player and a fantastic player. Exactly. He knows what he's there for. And he's got his goal, which is I want to be – I don't want to just be a starter with the Toros. I want the eyes from the Dynamo first team. I want the eyes from Wilmer Cabrera on me to hopefully make it to the Houston Dynamo and continue to fight my way through the ranks of the Dynamo and hopefully be a starter in MLS. 
And that's what these players have. Bryce, Chewy, Todd Warden, especially Todd Warden. In the beginning of the season, when they played against the Dynamo, what was one of the things that he said in that interview? He said, if any of us guys thought that we had what it takes to be with the Dynamo, this is a wake-up call that we are so, so far behind, and there's so much work ahead to do if we even want to think that the Dynamo wants to spend their time with us. So like I said, wish him the best to John Montaño. This is true. But we sure as hell am not going to miss you. Well, that went dark really quick. <laughs> so, so we talked about that. We talked about the rumor that, the, that is going on. Um, today... The, the Toros have another opportunity at home, you know, away, to try to get three points against LA Galaxy 2. A team that we have never beat, home or away. We have one of the worst records away as well. And our defense just hasn't shown up away. So, we have everything against us tonight and on Saturday against uh, Orange County SC. Yes, we did, beat the, we, we did beat Orange County at home, but that was at home. And that was because we had pretty much the perfect mix in that starting 11 to get that result. Yeah, not to mention, of course, since I was on the Orange County show last night, they even said that that was, since it was at the start of the season, that was kind of their uh, mid-season play because they just started to play badly throughout that time a bit. Mm-hmm. Or got hot and look at where they are right now. So that team is in no way, shape, or form sleep on. They will be playing at the same time that we will be playing LA Galaxy 2. And because at one way we can watch Orange County and see what their philosophy or see how well that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And we'll see who actually shows up, who will be in this lineup and who will probably not make it in the lineup for the Orange County game. Definitely. You're talking about an Orange County SC team. That is 13, 6, and 5. 13 victories. We barely have, what, four, three victories, maybe? I believe it is three. We have three victories. They are second in the Western Conference. Three points behind Real Monarchs SLC. Statistics don't matter in the 90 minutes. We all know that. But the tendency, what has been shown this, in this season, 
proves that we're going to be the huge underdog on Saturday. So, whoever plays on Saturday in Orange County is going to have to show up. It's going to have to prove why they, they deserve to be in the first team. We need to work together and get this job done. Today, we're playing against LA Galaxy 2. 13th in the Western Conference. But they have seven wins. And they've won the last two games. So there's another team that's going to be looking to continue on their little winning streak. Meanwhile, we're on a three-game losing streak. Just understand how difficult it is for the Toros today. We have history against us. We have our stats against us. We have our, play, uh, our, our, our form against us. And I don't know, I, I don't know about you, Jacob, but I just feel like if if there's a time to react and work together as a team, even with all our deficiencies, it's now. Get a decent showing away and, and get three points at home. That's the only way we can think of of even trying to make it close to the playoff line. Try to salvage as much as possible. I mean, or the fans this are... This week? Go ahead. This week, if we can come out with four points, that will be insane. Yes, our first win on the road will give us an immense amount of boost. Season, I well, at least I hope. Who knows how this team will take a win because we saw how they took uh, not losing streak at home. And, of course, it wasn't great because we ended up still losing against a team that anything more than just an 11th place. Mm-hmm. So the time is now. We've talked about it before. But – is against us, and of course, everything has been against us basically since the season started because the form wasn't there, and the form is still not there. Definitely, definitely. Um, it's just it's just sad that we're in the final third of the season and we still haven't found our form. We still haven't found the way, and I don't think we have enough. Uh, pieces of the puzzle to know 100% what's wrong, who to blame, yada, yada, yada. But from what we can see, what we do see when we do play the 90 minutes of the, of the matches, it's just that the product together, the team as a whole, when they play, it's more often that they don't click together than when they do click. We've seen what happens when they click. Beat Orange County at home. Beat Las Vegas Lights at home. And beat the switchbacks at home. Got in draws, kept shutouts against decent teams 
in the West. Sure, we've gotten shutouts against the worst team in the USL, which is it's also Rubnecks. But we had the defense playing well as a unit. All of a sudden, this Saturday, they were completely overwhelmed by the way that the OKC Energy played. They kept on falling on the, through, on the lobbed through ball. 35, 45, 50-yard passes. Going over the backs of the defenders and their attacker, especially Velasquez, getting to the ball first and being clinical. Making shots that nobody in the right mind would think they would be able to make. Kim and Adam John. Even Alexander Dixon's goal, a rocket that moved awkwardly in the air that put Nico Cordy in an awkward position that he wasn't able to save it. But the big culprit here was, and Coach said it, he said, we knew that that's what the play style was. We talked about it during the week. We're trying to figure out how to stop those long through balls, but we didn't do our job. I don't think we've had a USL team in the Western Conference play with lobbed through balls as, as much as or, uh, OKC did on Saturday. But it just didn't look like the people, the four in the back have enough leadership to modify things on the fly in order to avoid these kinds of scenarios where you put in an awkward position and being scored on. There's not enough veterans to help with that. But that's out of our control. My biggest fear is that now that they've seen how to completely whoop us at home, mind you, where we've been pretty good defensive-wise, that other teams might follow suit when they come to ATB Park. And so tonight, we're, like I said, we're playing against LA Galaxy 2, who also beat us at home. Um, they are, let me get you some stats from their last game. The last, oh, actually, they tied us at home. Uh, Got to say that. Yeah, because it was that late goal. That's right. Yeah, by, I was, was it, was it, it was the young, young guy. It wasn't, no, it wasn't low. It wasn't the young guy. Um, but he, he did make a huge impact on that game. So, oh, you guys are not going to like this. LA Galaxy 2 are coming in from a, a win away against Sacramento Republic 4-1 to one, at Papa Murphy's Park, no less. Interesting to see that. But woe is me in this game. 
Granted, I'll be there watching and I'll be there rooting, like any home fan will do. But if you look at the card, the whole cold, can't even speak now. You look at the cold heart numbers, the cold heart stats of how they're coming, like we said, things are not looking good for us. And pretty much we're going to have to salvage what we can from here on out uh, for the, the rest of the season. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, point out one thing that, of course, Orange or Orange County, well, what was OKC doing to RGVFC, the worst? They were counterattacking. Even throughout the season, yes, it's come back to where don't have the ball. They are freaked out. Their defense is freaked out, and they don't know what to do. Basically, you're in headlights mm-hmm. when it comes to that. And so it needs to stop. Of course, stop tonight against LA Galaxy 2. But let's see here. If RGVFC played a road game, they were able to get up 1-0 way possible, but then just had a terrible second half say from here is that just they don't need to control possession. Be a counter-attacking squad that does it to their opponents. They saw the way that OKC can play. RGVFC can play that way too. Guess who else plays like that? Their affiliate Houston Dynamo. So the players to counter-attack and I think that it can work. Of course it probably won't happen. Yeah, I. You say that the Toros can play counter, but we need to have Bryce, we need to have Chewy, and we need to have Carlos Small, maybe Aldo. Those are the, our most, our quickest players in the squad. The most talented that know with the ball. And we saw it the last time we played Orange County at home. The second goal, that was a beautiful counterattack between Aldo and Chuy. And we've seen, I believe there's another counterattacking goal. Uh, oh, against Las Vegas, I think. I think against Las Vegas, we had another a beautiful counterattack goal as well. I think that one was scored by Chuy, if I'm not mistaken. But we need to have the right players. If we want to play counterattack, we need to have the right players. You cannot improvise a counterattacking team going back to what we were talking about John Montaño there are players that are specifically for one style of play and I think the I think more of our players are more along the possession style we're talking about Matias Aldivar Pablo Aguilar who are more distributors than anything especially Pablo um Wilmer Jr., Wilmer Cabrera Jr., Todd Warden. Todd Warden is, is, is along the lines of, of Charlie. He's a similar play style. That he's good defensive-wise. I just wish, 
I just wish he'd work on his his um, his free kicks, but that's another story. Um, but he has the potential to be the next Charlie, to be as good as Charlie was, as Charlie is. Let me rephrase that. I think he has the potential to be as good as how Charlie Ward is right now. But it takes time. I don't see with this current, the way things are being run as far as roster-wise with the Toros, I don't see them playing a lot of counterattack. Especially with the fact, remember what Coach said on Saturday. He liked the fact that they had 60% possession. He hated the fact that they only had one, two shots on target. So expect the Toros to not play counterattack unless they really, really have to. But they're not going to base their, their whole technical idea on the counterattack like the Dynamo was last year. At least that's the way I see it. Yeah, and I, I see that too. Now that you really just mentioned it, back at it, he coach did say that he liked the possession. Of course, yeah, our real problem is only we can't get shots a on target and b shots on goal. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact thing, but what I meant is just shots in the back of the net. When you can't do that, your defense can only do so much. And like we've said, we've had to switch up the defense for sure of tired legs and fatigue. And when those players have to stay in the defensive game in, game out, like the same exact players to be exact, defense gets tired. I think that's what we've kind of seen the past two times. Of course, we've had... AJ Delgarza that either comes on late or comes on st- stays on until close to the 60th minute. Who, by the way, did not make the trip for uh, to the West Coast. Just uh, leaving it out there. Make the trip to at least the first game because I do recall that he ended up making it. He made it down to RGV the day before. Make it down with the team. I, and this comes from so good from, this could from a good source. Don't ex- the Dynamo did not want him to go move go to the West Coast at all. We may see him against San Antonio. No, I'm not saying it's going to happen. But from what I've been told, we may see, the Dynamo may allow him to go down because he's not going to be ready yet. He's not ready yet uh, for to play with the first team. So that we might see him against San Antonio. Might is the big word. But I, but I know that the, the Dynamo did not want him to, to, did not allow him to go with RGB to the, uh, to the West Coast. Yeah, of course, since you brought that up, just quick side note. He's not ready at all for first team. He said it himself. He's still in preseason and everyone else is, you know, way past that. Yeah. 
we need to see him for San Antonio FC if the Dynamo want him to be healthy enough for maybe the Cup this year, to be exact, the run at the not Open Cup Championship, the MLS Championship, the bigger cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, we need him there for San Antonio just for his benefit. But off that note, you st- my point is, yeah, you had to change up the defense a bit, too. And you had to put in these players that just stay with the team, which is okay. We we understand that. We like that us as RGVFC supporters as well because it helps the team realize, crap, this player is that good. The MLS. We need to be at that caliber. And if we're not at that caliber yet, no means are the Dynamo looking at us. So we need to play our hearts out for this game, have a chance. And so I think that's the only benefit, really, back at that. We just need a really good, strong, solid line here in the West Coast. Yeah. I can definitely agree with you on that. And I think I think that that topic is pretty much, hopefully, dead and buried. Although... We do know that there are some people that are still going to continue with the fact and maybe we won't be able to convince them and that's fine. Everybody's got their own opinions. Um, But we are giving you the reasons why we don't think that is how this team should be run. And I mean, the fact is that people are complaining about how the first team is being run. (laughs) It's just not... It's just not uh, surprising that people have are in disagreements of how their affiliate is being run as well. So, all right. yeah, okay, this laptop is being blech. I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to check out if no, no, they don't have any lineups yet. Um, they'll probably be released around. 9 o'clock, which is about the time that we're going to be signing out uh, from today's episode. So we talked about LA, LA Galaxy 2 and uh, what we think it's going to happen. We talked about the fact that we've never won over there. We haven't even beaten them, period. But um, Saturday we play Orange County SC. We talked about they're in the second team and they're doing really, really well. What are there, from what you talked about yesterday with the guys, what are their strengths? What is the strength of that team? Uh, could you repeat the question you kind of cut out there for a What second? is the strength of the Orange County SC team? What are the strengths? The strengths of the Orange County SC squad has to be their offense, yet they did give up three points in their last match. If I'm not mistaken, their last match was playing Phoenix Rising FC. Take that back. They did get three points. They didn't get three points versus the Portland Timbers too. And that is actually their game. Though their real strengths is their offense for sure. 
for their lineup, lineup-wise, hmm. they've got one specific player that if I can actually, there we go, I got their lineup, which would be Asante and Michael Seaton for sure. If I Michael Seaton is a very good place player. So if I recall correctly, I think I just saw it right here on the USO website. Michael Seaton won an award, correct? In, the, in this couple of days. Uh yes, if I'm not mistaken. Forget that I said Asante because actually I got confused with the colors there. That's Phoenix Rising's player. Seaton, but yes, for sure, Michael Seaton. Yeah, he was voted Player of the Week. Uh, for the for this past uh, match, uh, along with Aguilar from Melee Galaxy Two and uh, Alexander Dixon, so yeah, it's it's going to it's going to be a, a a good matchup to see how we'll be able to stop uh, Orange County SC. Uh, so far, right now, uh, OCSC is. Where am I at? So I'm having problems with my laptop because why not? So now I'm going to have to need to use the desktop because I already had it every, all, all there and I have to find it all over again. All right, here we go. So or- what are you trying to look for? Orange County SC, they're, uh, so far their stats right now. They are... Stats I see right who- now. Yeah, so like I want to see like their goal score, their top goal scorer right now score well i can tell you at least against are 24 but their goals for are 49 so right there tells you a lot that they're able to put shots on target and actually be able to score so they take a lot of shots take a look at this held up really well their top goal scorer right now is thomas anavoltsen anavoltsen 25 appearances, 14 goals. Second place is Michael Seaton with nine goals. Then Aaron Quinn with uh, six. Giovanni Ramos Godoy with four. That's a lot of goals. This is a high-scoring team. Going up against a really bad defense away. I hate to be negative Nancy. But like I said, stats don't lie. And obviously you can throw away the stats once the 90 minutes start. But tendency-wise, you know, things don't look good. And then with clean goals conceded, we can only, I guess you can say, we can only hope that Andre Rawls starts as the keeper. And even then, he has conceded less than a goal per game. He has appeared 18 times, conceded six, 16 goals, I'm sorry. Appeared 18, conceded 16 goals. And, you're, and so the way that it looks like since, since the second goalkeeper has only appeared four times, which means that Andre Rawls is more than likely going to be a starter against the Toros. And uh, clean sheets... Andre Rawls has seven. Even that, even in that. Andre Rawls has seven clean sheets. I believe Nico has stuck in six, right? Nico Cordy has six uh, shutouts. 
if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, that, uh, I believe it is true as well. Because, yeah, I don't think that he has gotten a recent shutout yet because of the fact that either Derek has been starting in his position or Nelson. Yeah. And so what I'm getting at is Orange County SC is is not really a team you can score a lot of goals with. They have their goal difference is the best in the Western Conference. Plus 25. Wow. If you are not amazed at how good of a team Orange County is, then I don't know what to say. High-scoring team, low-scoring, um, low-scoring, low-scored-on low team. They have conceded 24 goals only, which is one per game. Maintain 10 clean sheets. Have only conceded four penalties. They have scored 49, 49 goals in this season. Let's take a look at the Toros. I can tell you one thing. The goal differential is totally different. Oh, yeah. That's putting it lightly. So, if we look at the Toros... We go to their team stats. This is all the USL website, guys. So you can easily see this and see that we are not lying. We don't have a reason to lie about stats. We have conceded. We have conceded twenty-eight if we, if we goals. Were, go ahead. If we were lying about stats, we'd say Toros are doing fine. They're at differential. Exactly. I mean, we are not going to say, and I put it on the Instagram rant, I'm not going to say that things are going all fine and dandy with this team when it's not. The numbers don't lie. This team isn't doing as good as they know, as we know that it can be. There's so many mental mistakes that are being done that are costing us a lot of points. We don't, we don't have as much Def and A.G. De La Garza put it like this. There's talent, but it's not very widespread. It's not well distributed in, in the rosters. I mean, looking at this, how can you call, you can't call A.J.D. a liar. The guy's been in the MLS for so many years. He knows what he's talking about. And if he's saying from one or two matches that he's been, with the Toros, and say, there's talent, but it's not widely distributed, it's not well distributed, and the players that are, are talented are not consistent, you better listen to him when he tells you that. The guy knows his stuff. The Toros have conceded 28 goals, you know, which is right, right on par with Orange County. Like I said, they have only conceded uh, 24, so we're four goals away. Okay, Right, yeah. That's fine. You're talking about one of the best defenses in the Western Conference. But when you go into the attack, 21 goals scored. 
That is less than half the goals scored on, the goals scored by Orange County SC. You see where the huge difference is? You see why we're always ragging on the attack? Because that's our weak point right there. Which is funny because we said we have the most talented players on the week, um, uh, uh, in the offense. But they haven't been consistent enough to, j- to gel consistently and make the, uh, make the goals. Because our depth, there's a bigger difference in talent between first teamers or between starters and depth than in the defense. In the defense, whoever you put in is going to do a decent job. You can put in Kai. You can put in Sheldon Sullivan. You can put in um, Connor Donovan, Omar Tiveros, Kyle Adams, or Robert Castellanos. It's not going to make a, a, a huge difference. You can put in Nico Cordy or Michael Nelson or Tyler Derrick. It's not going to make much of a difference. But there's a huge difference between putting in Chuy Enriquez and Carlos Small and Aldo to Guillermo Delgado, Zach Wright, and John Montaño. That's where the problem is. And that's what uh, you can assume that it's one of the things that AJD saw in this team. That huge gap between first te- uh, the starters and their backups in the attack. And that is why when our starters aren't gelling, when our starters aren't clicking and scoring the opportunities that they need to, where can Coach Echeverry look for? I mean, he's tr- he tries putting in sometimes the subs. They're not making an impact. So what can you do? I mean, the, the numbers speak for themselves. And that's been a huge problem all season. Being able to score goals. Because, yes, you might have the best defense that can, put, that can give you an opportunity to get the result. But if you don't score goals, then what good is it going to do? All it takes is just one goal, one little mess up, one little mental lapse from, our dif- from the defense that the other team takes advantage of. How are we going to bounce back? We can't because statistics-wise, our offense isn't up to par to the rest of the USL. Jacob? I mean, it's tough. I I talked about it also with with the Orange County group last night, and funny thing was, when we score predictions, I, I said maybe they'll come out of their sh- shell and go 3-3, me being the optimistic one, of course, on the show. And then, of course, they said, but obviously for a different reason, we'll score the goals 3-1 three, three, and 3-0. Three, mm. I went on to say, of course, as a fan, you hope that your team will actually show up, will get out of that shell, will show you differently. There's still reality here. Most likely, that won't happen. Most likely, it'll be a blowout. 
the way that thank you, Jordy. It, it's so true. The way that Orange County has been playing, I don't really see a way around this game for RGVFC if they play in their regular. Yeah, it's sad to say. Lineups are up. Goalkeeper, Michael Nelson. Defenders, Sheldon Sullivan, Manny Padilla, Omar Ontiveros, Robert Castellanos. Castellanos going up against his former team. Midfielders, Chuy Enriquez finally gets the start. Todd Warden. Pablo Aguilar. And you're not going to like this. Jorginho James. Up on top with Wilmer Cabrera Jr. and Aldo Quintanilla. Well, good for... Wilmer Jr. and Quintanilla to get the starts. I really do enjoy that that's the front. Now, of course, looking back at defense, it's it looks to be a good defense as well. Players that needed rest have rest. And yeah, Chuy Enriquez, congratulations on getting the start again. Now show that you belong there and show that you can make this bit of a spark tonight versus LA Galaxy 2. That means in the first half, make that fire from that also a message to the whole team. Be the leader. How much you got embarrassed at home? Start a light a spark, light a fire in your freaking but in, in your body. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah, but I mean, we thought I mean, we thought that the fact that OKC Energy started talking a bunch of crap on social media, talking crap about the region, talking fat about bad about the stadium, I thought that was going to be enough spark to make this a competitive game and make them eat their words. And the complete opposite happened. I mean, honestly, yeah, I'm on the same boat as you. I hope that this works as a, as a way to light up the fire and prove, like I said, prove that they deserve to be in the, in, in the, in the starting position. But I'm getting a headache now, man. Um, My point is this. Yeah, trash talking online is fine. They can go and hide behind their computers. But when you actually get beat, in person, when you actually get beat up in person, something in you, of course. Because it's just a total different to be embarrassed in front of your home crowd instead of just on Twitter. You, you see the difference there? Yes. I think that'll actually get the players going. Now, of course, not mention this one player because I don't want to because it makes me very angry. But why is he starting? I think, actually, I think I know why. Final appearances. Are you really worth... Because uh, we got other players that are better than you. So I think that's why. He's got, he's got, his, he's got the final opportunities to prove that he... That... Here's the thing. I even think... I think that... 
since he is on a loan, and I think he's given enough uh, merit or, or not enough uh, evidence to prove that he should not be redeemed. And so I think, like you say, this is pretty much James's last stand with the Torahs. And he's going to have to prove why he wants, if he really wants to stay. Um, I hope, and like I always do every time I speak negatively of a player, I hope, I, I, I hope he makes me eat my words. And I'll say it every time. I badmouth a player. I don't like it, but I, 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 see what I, I say what I see, even though a lot of people don't agree. I mean, I know, and I understand that. But this is another player that also takes up an international slot. And if he's not going to make a big of an impact, that when he comes in as a sub or in the starting 11, in a positive way, we could easily just bring in an American into that, into that spot that can hopefully do a better job. Let's go ahead. Let me talk. Uh, before we go, let's take a look at the lineup for Los Dos. They have uh, Vom... Vom Stig and the goalkeeper. They have Schultz, Angola, Fides, Aguilar, which is the young, is, I think that's the 16-year-old. The 16-year-old uh, wonder kid from Mexico. Zanga, Vera, Requejo, Ashamampong, Zubak, and Lopez. They're playing, it looks like they're playing a Three four one two formation. Maybe maybe three four one two. Maybe no. It has to be a three four one two because Aguilar is a mid. He's a he's a midfielder. So this is an interesting lineup. Honestly, this is an interesting formation. I I don't think I've I don't think I've seen this this formation before with any team that I've seen. It's a lot more typical to play with. Uh, if you're going to play a three-man backline, then you play two center defensive mids and then uh, 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 pretty much a three, three, two, uh, I don't even know how I can explain it, three, five, two. Basically, three, five, two or three, five, one, one. Um, but like I said, this is going to be interesting to, to see how the Taurus will be able to uh, deal with, uh, with this. And we know that Aguilar has done, he's a wonder kid. He's got, he's got the talent. Um... Before we go, Jacob, what are your predictions for tonight's match and Saturday's match? All right. Well, for tonight's match, I would start off. I would start off by saying a two-two draw. Once again, we get in that loop, and it goes two-two. I'm going to say what basically I said tonight's podcast, the same deal. Uh, a Well, this time, 3-3, a bit more high scoring. Because Orange County's defense is 
good for them a lot. They've just been lacking just a bit on their defense, and I think that if RGBFC is able to take advantage of that, yes, could end up being a 3-3 draw. So two points on this Cali road trip I'd take in a heartbeat. I'm going to go on a limb and say that the Toros are going to tie 2-2 tonight, but they're going to lose 2-0 in Orange County. I think that's, I think that's what's going to happen the way I see it. Um, yeah. Hopefully I'm wrong. Bold prediction is we get the four points that you said you would love to see in this road trip. But I think I think we can pretty much wrap up this episode right here um, because we have to prepare for the uh, LA Galaxy 2 match, which is going to start at around 9.30. So got to set up a couple of stuff. Uh, for tomorrow, tomorrow is uh, I have to go to BBVA Compass Stadium and cover the uh, Texas Derby. So I got to get some stuff prepared for tomorrow as well, prepare the podcast uh, and send it over to Mike from the Beautiful uh, Game Network. So that way it'll be available uh, in syndicated form and, and the other platforms. Um, but other than that, I think it's, I think it's been an, an interesting, um, interesting discussion today. We talked about a lot of things. Uh, I want to thank Victor for call uh, Victor and Isa for calling on the show in the beginning. Uh, in the beginning, uh, pretty much making us think and ponder about this team. Uh, thank you all for that have been watching throughout this whole uh, a little bit more than an hour and a half of the episode. And we we'll also want to thank the guys at the Beautiful Game Network for all that they do. Be sure to follow them on uh, Twitter and Facebook at the BGNFM. Uh, check out their Website, www.bgn.fm. Be, also, be sure to also check out our website uh, down in vrtv.com for any future articles and other little tidbits that, we're, that, we're, that we add uh, on the show. And so be sure to keep an eye out uh, on the, when our podcast goes live. And also check out Orange and Black Soccercast today. I will retweet once again after the show is over. I will retweet that link so you guys can listen to what Jacob had to say with the guys at uh, the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. So next week, it will be a Thursday um, podcast because the South Texas Derby will happen on Wednesday. So next Thursday, we will talk a little bit more about that. We will use... um, I will use Gen Orange, um, the, the couple of minutes that I have with RGV Express, to talk a little bit about the uh, South Texas Derby. Um, so if anything changes, I will let you all know, because we know that the South Texas Derby is an important match for, for, for the Toros. So if we decide on, on something else, then we, can, uh, then we will let you know. Uh, we are working on having Brandon Morales as well. Uh, uh, to talk about, to talk with us on the show on a short little interview. So be sure to keep in tune on, on that. So, Jacob, before we go, any last words? No, just once again, I want to thank, of course, the Orange and Black Soccer Cast for having me on last night. That was a fantastic time. 
a really great time. Forward to, of course, having them on the show at any time when out for, of course, next season because we don't play them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The... Guys, so exactly. Yeah, and anybody, and and anybody from any of the other podcasts or any other team in the USL, the guy, we whenever we do have the time, we'll keep in contact. We, they are they are welcome to join us uh, on our show to talk to continue to talk about uh, our teams, and uh, we are and we are also uh, more than accepting if anybody wants to have any of us on the show, whether it's me or Jacob or or Ray or all of us. You know, we're. We'll be more than happy to be a guest on your on your show. So, thank you so much, Jacob, for joining uh, joining us tonight. Uh, hopefully, we get some good news tonight and on Saturday. Uh, but don't forget, even though we t- say we've kind of been a little bit critical about this team, how it's been played, you cannot say that we don't love the Toros. Will always be a tool. We will always be Toros forever and ever. Nobody forget that. We love this team and we want to see it succeed. So until next time, until next week, my name is Edson and Jacob, and this has been episode 34 of Down in the Valley. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. <laughs>